The Giant. Thinkers. Giant Thinkers Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. Hello to you all listening from your headphones or speakers. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Giant Thinkers podcast. It is absolutely racing away with us, I think. Um, A special thank you to the almost 4,000 listeners that have tuned in to date from around the world. This is all for you guys, and I endeavor to truly make this a show with consistency in providing actionable advice from the guests that come on while, of course, having a laugh and sharing some interesting stories along the way. So on that note, let me introduce to you the next guest. There aren't many people in the world who can say that they've been recognized as a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 30 by President Obama and one of the top 100 entrepreneurs under the age of 35 by the United Nations. I personally follow people who inspire others, who lead by example, and who give above and beyond the average. My next guest possesses all those qualities. He's a true example of unwavering persistence, hard work, and where it can take you. We talk about blogging, the top three ways to generate more website traffic, how to get more done, what to look for when you delegate, and the importance of receiving constant feedback. I only had less than half an hour to talk with this refreshing entrepreneur and was grateful for every second of it. He's a wealth of knowledge. And after this podcast, I encourage you to read his advice on his blogs. If you want to accelerate your online marketing results, wonderful listeners, I present to you the co-founder of crazy egg and kiss metrics and the founder of quicksprout.com, the one and only Mr. Neil Patel. Thanks for joining us, Neil. It's a huge honor to have you on the show. Welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a huge pleasure. Um, and we were just chatting earlier. You are joining us from uh, Las Vegas. That's correct. I'm currently in Las Vegas. Fantastic. So now to kickstart the episode, and for those who aren't familiar about your story, can you briefly give us a rundown on where you're from, how you grew up, and and where your expertise lies? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Orange County, California. I started off in the marketing world because I had a website and no one came to it, so I had to learn how to get traffic to it. Okay. And I was actually pretty decent at it. From there, I continued doing it for other people, you know, creating some of my own properties. But yeah, I've always been in the marketing space, and I just love growing traffic. Yeah, amazing. And and how old were you then around that age when you started uh, tapping into this area of, of growing traffic? Ooh, I was, I started at 16 and I really started getting good at marketing and SEO when I was like around 21, 22. Great, great. So uh, if I may, I'd love to list some of your achievements. Uh, they include the Wall Street Journal calling you a top influencer on the web. Uh, Forbes names you as one of the top 10 online marketers. 
Entrepreneur Magazine states you created one of the 100 most brilliant companies in the world, and you've even been recognized as a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 30 by President Obama and one of the top 100 entrepreneurs under the age of 35 by the United Nations. So to make sure we know that you're not a robot secretly disguised as a human, uh, you never know these days, uh, what is the most embarrassing moment that you've ever had? The most embarrassing moment that I ever had? First yeah. Oh, um, both. <laughs> uh, let's see. Personally, I don't really get embarrassed. I did when I was a little kid, like, you know, when your parents come to school or stuff like that. But now I don't care, right? My parents are awesome. I love them to death. Sure, sure. In business, uh, I would have to say something related to just like, you know, it's not necessarily embarrassing it's more so it's a shitty experience or experience i'd love to forget and that was i lost a million bucks in a hosting company when i was 21 years old instead of you know i tried to create a hosting company a cloud-based one and instead of setting it up in a co-location service or anything like that i was like oh let's put in a home let's put more fiber in there like i just wasn't thinking straight yeah, right. Well, that that um, that's def that's definitely up there. <laughs> that that would rival uh, any anyone's embarrassing moment. I, I feel uh, I've actually got that as a question um, uh, later later on this episode. Um, so I'm glad that you you brought that up, and I'm sure the uh, listeners are wanting to know probably a bit more about that. A uh, million dollars isn't something that that most people can can say these days. Um, now, let's get stuck into the juicy bits. Uh, when you started Kissmetrics and Crazy Egg, uh, two companies that you co-founded, can you tell us what they are and the pain points that triggered you to start those companies? Yeah. So with Crazy Egg, people were getting more visitors to their website, but they didn't understand why others were converting, why they, why some weren't converting, right? Like what were causing all these types of issues for people not to buy. Because just because you get more traffic, even as relevant traffic, doesn't mean your sales and revenue go up. So we created Crazy Egg to help you visualize how visitors engage and interact with your website. So that way you can generate more income from your visitor base. Yeah, absolutely. And then with Kissmetrics, well, actually, while we were creating Crazy Egg, we didn't understand why customers were churning or why some would stay longer or why some would actually use the product and others wouldn't. So we created Kissmetrics to help us solve that problem for Crazy Egg. And then we realized that Kissmetrics, other people also had this problem and it wasn't just us. Right. Yeah. And I think um, one of, uh, I guess, a lot of people can uh, visualize this, but the uh, heat mapping, uh, I guess, feature uh, that you have, uh, is that, that's for Crazy Egg, isn't it? That's correct. Yes, it's for Crazy Egg. Yeah, I mean that—that's so cool. I mean to really track and trace uh, where the the hot spots are, where people are hanging out on your on your web page uh, is hugely important. Um, and to and to get that information, I think um, is is hugely valuable. Um, now, uh, I actually stumbled across you via your blog quicksprout.com. Uh, how did Quicksprout come about? So I used to blog about marketing and entrepreneurship back in the day on a different blog called ProNet Advertising. And I was just blogging to try to make money. And one day I was just like, you know what, it'd be awesome to start a blog just for fun, a personal blog. And that's how Quicksprout came about. 
And uh, I enjoyed blogging so much, just grew and grew. And now it's, you know, well over 700,000 visitors a month. Never expected that. Yeah, that's and, huge. Uh, a few years ago, I also acquired a domain named neilpatel.com. I didn't own it. And now I started a personal blog on neilpatel.com. So I'm also trying to grow that one to like 500,000 to a million visitors a month. Yeah, I noticed that actually. And uh, I was going to ask you um, uh, the difference between those two. Um, is, there, is there a massive difference, do you think? Uh, would you like visitors to kind of, uh, of course, be a part of both? But I mean, um, is, is Quick Sprout kind of your baby in, in a sense? Uh, they both are. Okay. NeilPatel.com is more so because it just started, right? And it's right. my name. I love both of them to death. The thing I ended up learning as I was doing QuickSprout was in-depth articles rank really well. If you look at every article on neilpatel.com, I think almost all of them are 4,000 plus words. Some of them like my, this post, the one I published today was 4,000 something. The one I published on Tuesday was 8,000 something words. So by publishing content that's so in-depth, my traffic has just been skyrocketing. And I think that blog is, you know, I mainly really started kicking in high gear January 1st. But considering that, it's already at 50 plus thousand visitors a month. Uh, I think 55 will be the number of 56 this month. And I think I'll get to 100,000 visitors a month really fast. Like my goal is to get there within the next three to four months at the latest. And then from there, try to get to like two, 300,000 monthly visitors. Yeah. Wow. So you're very, very busy then. <laughs> um, now, I'd love to talk to you about your strategies on increasing traffic to a website. Uh, of course, very top line uh, ideas and approaches that you use. But before we dive into that real quick, I'm curious to know about how you set yourself up for, the, for a productive day. Uh, I'm personally a big fan of optimizing the psychological state the moment you wake up and uh, the physical state too. And I actually read a book recently about, uh, you know, how you do that. It's called Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. That explains uh, a, a bit about that topic. Uh, so out of interest, how does the first 90 minutes of your morning look like? Yeah, I usually just do emails and I'm in bed working on my <laughs> All right. No, no, uh, no crazy uh, regime. No, and then eventually I get up, get ready, and then I just, you know, do more phone calls, meetings, etc. Right, right. And and uh, is there breakfast in the equation? Uh, breakfast is in the equation. I have, uh, I usually eat around like eight something, nine o'clock at the latest. All right. Okay, cool. So um, on the other end of the spectrum, how do you switch your mind off before bed? I don't. I work until I fall asleep. <laughs> Yes, yeah, similar to me, I, I think it's um it's one of those things where uh, we're natural problem solvers as as humans. Um, so uh, continuing on with optimizing your day, what's been the biggest game changer in helping you free up more time to to do the important stuff? Yeah, I would say what's helped me free up some time to do the more important stuff is um uh, just delegating, right? Mm. It's and. Everyone understands the concept that you hire people and they help you out. But what most people make the mistake on is they try to hire people who are really cost-effective or affordable, but then you have to train them. They usually don't do as well. I try to hire people who are self-sufficient and who are smarter than me. If someone is better than me at something, then that's great. They should be in charge of you know that part of the business or whatever they may be. And that's my goal. I want to continue to build a team of people who are smarter and brighter than me. 
Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. It's um it's funny you mentioned that because I'm kind of at that stage now where I uh, should really be delegating more. Uh, so I'm I'm glad you you brought up the whole quantity, uh, sorry, quality versus uh you know cost thing there. Um, and and the other point is, uh, the premise of giant thinkers. Uh, the reason why. I called it that was from a quote by David Ogilvy because that's where I started my first job at Ogilvy. And uh, he said, if we hire people who are smaller than we are, we will become a company of dwarfs. If we hire a company, uh, sorry, if we hire people who are larger than we are, we'll be a company of giants. And uh, that, that, that really resonates with me. So uh, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Um, yep. Now, um, the next question I had for you was uh, about research. As a designer and many of the audience I'm sure can relate, understanding human behavior when communicating the right message is crucial. Can you share to us the importance of research when it comes to the initial creation of a digital venture? Yeah, so um, you're saying, can I share with you the creation? The, uh, the research portion, uh, you know, how important it is really to, to do your research and homework before you, you create something, uh, for, for instance, on Quicksprout, you have a super powerful website analyzer tool. Um, and I, you know, I think needless to say, the amount of research would have been huge. Yeah, it definitely is. So the way I look at it with research is I continually go out there, find people who could potentially use product or service, and we do a ton of surveys. Like, what problems are you facing? How can we help, etc. So once you get a lot of feedback, what we then do is try to figure out the solutions. Because asking people for the solution isn't the, necessarily the best thing because they don't always know what the best solution for them is, mm -hmm. but they do understand their problems really well. Then from there, what we try to do is we try to create wireframes, sketches, and then we continue to try to adapt. And create more, um, what is it called? Uh, like do more surveying once we right. have the wireframes in the sketch. And then we continually iterate the process, right? All the way from creating basic mockups, clickable sketches to making the product work. And we're getting feedback through every single stage. And then we launch and then we continually get more feedback. Yeah, I love that. It's uh, essentially looking deeply into the the user experience, isn't it? And, um, and really tracing back, uh, you know, how can we, how can we do things better from, from the get go? Exactly. Awesome. So, um, now in terms of investing in great design and designers, how much has it contributed to the success of your blog and your business? Uh, for example, on Quicksprout, I love all the infographics and the videos that you, you post. Yeah, it actually, um, helps us out quite well. So we actually see design as one of the main elements that cause content to get shared and go viral. And it's worked out really well. Like we do infographics, right? As you know, every single Friday and it just continually helps us get more and more visitors. Yeah. I love it because I think what, uh, people, uh, intuitively understand is that visual, uh, communication in a message is, uh, lightning fast and the way that you're presenting this data, which if you read it on a spreadsheet might not be, uh, you know, surely not as engaging. Uh, so I think the way that you're doing that and so consistently as well is, is such a huge deal and, and shareable too, right? We, as you said, Pinterest is, is a, he's a big player in this Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, any of those. 
so uh, that's that's really cool. Um, now, besides coming up with incredible mouthwatering content, uh, are there some other ways to increase web traffic? Let's say if you had to pinpoint three key must-dos. So uh, to pick up web traffic, number so what was the one other than what? Uh, to uh, key in uh, increasing uh, traffic advice that you can give, you know, are there th- maybe like let's cap it to to three things that come to mind to to drive traffic to to one's website. All right, so the first one I would say is content marketing, and what I mean content marketing is you can't just write blog posts and expect it to do well. You need to write extremely detailed information. If someone can read it and they're new to your space, and they can read your post, and step-by-step, step, they'll know exactly what to do. That means you've written a great piece of content. Number two is spend a lot of money building up your social profiles. Not enough people spend money on Facebook ads, and they don't see the value in it, when it's actually very lucrative, and it's uh, well worth it in the long run. Because once you have a fan page that's you know 50,000, 100,000 members, Mm. It continues to drive more and more traffic, more likes, more shares, more engagement, etc. And the investment so, is probably a bit low too compared to Google Ads. That's correct. Then the third thing that I would actually say is focus on your email marketing. So a lot of people collect emails, but not enough people are actually pushing their emails out there, telling about their content, their lists, anything they're releasing. And emails is a great way to continually generate more and more uh, traffic back to your site. Yeah, great. They're, they're amazing uh, ways actually. And um, uh, especially the uh, the content marketing one, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, rather than do the whole pitch of sell, 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 it's really just, hey, look, here are, here are top five mistakes that you should avoid. But also if you want to know more, Here's something that you might interest you. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, now, the next question I had for you was uh, for those listeners that are starting out in the blogging world uh, with small budget, what blogging platform do you recommend for them? I would say WordPress. No matter what type of blog or size that you're going for, you should start with WordPress. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, uh, I mean, in my mind, there's there's so many things that uh, you can leverage from WordPress, just the the ease of of countless plugins, um, and just uh, the the ease of just if you're a beginner, there's just so much that you can just pick up instantaneously, you know, without too much complex, um, you know, CMS knowledge. Yep, exactly. Fantastic. So um, now, if you could travel back in time for 30 seconds and talk to teenage junior Neil, perhaps the Neil that was finishing high school, uh, what are some words of wisdom you would tell him? Yeah, it would be to focus on one business. I've tried doing one too many things instead of just focusing, and that's hurt me in the long run. Yeah, cool. Uh, I, I can totally uh, agree with that. I think um, many of the listeners can as well. We, we, we want to do so many things. Uh, you know, It's one of those things where focusing on potentially the, the one or two most important things um, will will really get that progressing quicker. Um, and I find that even with, with just the day-to-day stuff as well. Um, you know, sometimes our lists can be so long that we actually never get around to it because <laughs> they're just so long and, and you know, um, actually become more distracting than helpful. 
Yeah, right. So it's like the other thing too is um you know, just generally in life, mm. when it comes to like distractions and trying to focus, like the one thing I also did when I was younger too, and I didn't do this until later on in my career, was use a program called Rescue Time. It's like a free tool. And what it actually does is just tell me where I'm wasting time and it reminds me. Yeah, right. right. Okay. I could have got all the extra wasted time over all the years back. Like that would have been huge. And so how how does that do that? Is that is it an app? Uh, it's just a web app that goes on your computer. But yeah, it's free. Okay. Well, uh, what, what's that called again? RescueTime.com. RescueTime.com. Okay. I'm I'm sure uh, others will check it out. I'll check it out myself, and uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, now, uh, who were your mentors starting out in in the business uh, that you're in now, and who are they now? So. Um... My mentors starting out with a guy named Andy Liu. He's a main guy. He's taught me a lot about business over the years. And um, he still mentors me today. And I help him wherever he needs help. Uh, but there's a lot of people who taught me about business and growth and just, you know, how to make things explode over the years cool. and just strategies and stuff like that. Yeah. And so Andy Liu, he, uh, he was just someone that was kind of around in your local area. Did you reach out to him uh, on online? Uh, so I met him at a conference and we just got to become friends. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I mean, the reason why I ask is I think um, a lot of people are wanting mentors, but they feel perhaps that uh they can't reach them. But, you know, in my mind, it's just a simple case of uh, really leveraging not only what's around you, but just the internet. I mean, you could just, you could send a tweet to someone halfway across the world, build a connection and then exchange emails. Next thing you know, they could be mentoring you. So um, I think there's, there is definite value in that. And, and I think mentoring as well, isn't necessarily so formal. I think that we can learn off anybody. Um, and I think that that could be even through a blog post. Like, you know, I, I see um, my uh, traffic mentoring um, through you. I mean, with with all the stuff that I'm learning with with all your posts. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, a big big fan of mentoring. I think it's uh, it fast tracks uh, progress. Yeah, and I think you got it right. In which mentoring doesn't have to be where you really know the person. I've learned so much by just reading other people's blog posts or interacting with them online. Right, like. You don't yeah. actually have to yeah. get to know someone in person to be mentored by them. Absolutely. Uh, now, uh, we're almost winding down now. A couple more questions for you, Neil. Uh, now, your journey has certainly not happened overnight. Have you got any practical tips to help emerging designers in terms of pursuing their career? So if I was an emerging designer, one thing that I would try to do is Find people who are well-known and offer your design services for free for them. And it's branding. So a company called Digital Telepathy and a lot of others have done this as well. Mm -hmm. What it'll do is it'll get you a lot of recognition within a specific community and you'll start generating business from it. Yeah, sure. It almost, it almost seems like a, a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, why do you think people aren't doing more of that? I have no idea, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I completely agree. I mean, that that's, as we know, branding, a um, huge part of the perception of, of who you are. And as a designer, you're a service. You know, you you uh, are very much perceived based on not only your work, but where you did it and, and the people that you're surrounded by. Exactly. 
now, touching briefly on setbacks and rejections, a story that um, many people now know, but uh, probably didn't know before earlier when you mentioned it, uh, is, is you actually invested around a million bucks on a hosting company that didn't work out and you lost all of that. So uh, when, and that was when you were 21 years old, uh, that would have been tough to say the least. Now, how do you personally deal with setbacks and rejections like that? You just have to keep pushing forward and eventually things will get better. But you really just have to keep pushing forward. Like life is tough mm-hmm. and over time you'll get used to it, right? Like yeah. it's not always the best, but hey, that's life. Like not everything's going to be great. Yeah. Is there a almost, is there a driving thought behind that for you? Like is, I guess um, everyone's motivation is different, but is there something in that that really carries you over the line Uh, for me it's just like um as you fail that's fine you'll you'll eventually do better right so it's like uh so i look at failure as when you stop is when you really fail if you keep pushing and learning from mistakes and avoid the same one then you should be fine yeah yeah and it's that it's it all goes back to um the uh the idea that uh, without it, uh, we're not continuously learning, um, and and that's that's potentially more painful than anything. Um, not trying, right? So, uh, cool. Now, um, I love this on your bio. You you actually uh, said this, uh, which I'll I'll just read out quickly for the for the listeners. Over the next few years, my number one goal is to share what I have learned with you so that you can have an even better life than I do. Now, that's some pretty powerful stuff. What's on the cards for you in the near future, Neil? Is there anything in particular we can look out for? Um, Nothing really. Like I'm just continuing to blog more, trying to ramp that up. I'm trying to add more, uh, what is it called? Like software to the mix. So we have Crazy Egg, I have Kissmetrics, I have Hello Bar. I don't focus on Kissmetrics anymore. Uh, company's grown and the CEO who's been running it up for a while. But um, yeah, I'm trying to release uh, software on ClickSprout and then we'll be releasing one on neopatel.com pretty soon. Unreal. Cool. So that just about wraps up uh, this seriously informative episode, Neil. Uh, before we finish up, what website and social media platform would you like listeners to engage you on? So they can engage me on. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, wherever they want. But I would say check me out on clicksprout.com and neilpatel.com. Amazing. Thanks so much, Neil. I'm sure I speak for everyone in saying how grateful we are to hear your insights on such an intimate level. I wish you continued success and and look forward to learning more from you. So uh, until then, take care and thanks again. Same to you. Bye. There you have it, guys. I hope you're just as excited as I am in building your audience and taking any challenges head on. Let's keep moving and pushing forward and enjoy learning from the expertise of people like Neil in becoming better designers, creatives, strategists, thinkers, and doers. On the next episode, the guest I'm excited to bring on is the worldwide chief creative officer of J. Walter Thompson, also known as JWT, which was actually founded in 1864. 
It's a marketing communications agency pioneering solutions that have been building enduring brands and businesses for more than 150 years. He previously served as Chief Creative Officer of DDB New York and has overseen some of the most innovative, recognizable and awarded creative projects in advertising today. That's going to be an unmissable episode and the best way to get the latest content is to subscribe to the giantthinkers.com mailing list and subscribe on iTunes. Until next time, dear friends, remember that the only time you should look back is to see how far you've come. 